Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is 1-888-844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long-distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Tom Matson. Entrepreneurs hire Tom to build seven-figure authority businesses for them fast because most are so busy wearing all their hats, overwhelmed, how to get it done fast, doing things they don't love, and frankly are quite often poor at it. So he helps them by doing a complete run-for-you service that creates high-ticket programs, finds the ideal clients, and converts them to sales. Bottom line, the authority does what they're great at. Tom and his business partner, Martin, and their team do the rest and guarantee them a million-dollar income within two years. Tom has started 82 businesses plus on his own and has made more mistakes on his own businesses already than most people make in a lifetime. He has made and lost millions several times over. More importantly, his personal coaching clients have generated more than 100 million in sales in dozens of industries. As an international best-selling author and seminar presenter, he has been able to share his message of business success and failure to more than 100,000 people on four continents. So I've asked Tom to join us here today to discuss the three steps to building a seven-figure authority business. Tom. Oh, hey, hey, hey. hey, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. As I as I like to say, welcome to both of you listeners today. So thank you for being here. <laughs> we know there's at least two of us, you and me, right? That's right. Love it. So obviously, I mean, we've had chat before. I feel like I pretty much can sniff people out pretty well. You very clearly can walk your talk. But how did you even get into business? Like you've all clearly had a really nice career at this and you're just getting started. How did you even get started, though, in the beginning? Like as a kid, do you my, my very my fascinating my very first business, and I actually keep the business card on my uh, just behind my desk here was a DJ service. You know, uh, my mom used to say I had the face for radio. No, she didn't. That's a joke. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, myself and two buddies got into the DJ business. For you kids out there, we had these things called albums back before Al Gore invented the internet. And we decided that we were going to be world famous DJs and, and uh, started doing dances. And you know how, you know, when you're creating your business name and your tagline, you're supposed to come up with your USP or your why do business with you versus all the other choices out there, right? And so I keep the business card framed as a reminder that I'm not as awesome as I think I am sometimes. <laughs> it, it was called After 8 Music Services. Ooh. After 8 Music Services. And the tagline was, we play for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> We're for everybody, which means nobody. Exactly, exactly. And we did. We played weddings and polkas and graduations and heavy metal and country and western and you name it. And uh, we carried around, like, you remember how you used to be able to fit those albums in milk crates? Yep. You're old yep. enough to remember yep. that, yep. right? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I grew up with a wall of records in my basement and then another three walls of books. There you go. So, yeah. So we would carry cases, cases. I think we had eight cases of albums mm -hmm. that we carried from show to show. We'd have two of us at every show and part of our stick was requests. And so we would play half the entire show as requests uh, back when you had to find it, queue it up, the whole thing. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I should go see what DJs are doing nowadays with all this electronic technology. They probably just think the song's name and it comes up, right? Yeah, no, the guests come with their own playlist. They just give you the USB drive and the DJ just hits play and that's it. No, I don't know. I don't know. Uh... <laughs> so that was business number one. Wow. That was business number one. Yeah, we put uh, 
altogether about six thousand dollars into it and we would make about 200 bucks a weekend and uh definitely it was not scalable <laughs> definitely it was not going to have impact beyond our our physical reach definitely it was not licensable or franchisable so pretty much violated every possible standard i have today except one and it was a lot of fun <laughs> mm, mm, <laughs> it's a lot mm. And at that age, you're just learning. So what are some of the big challenges that you've had in your career, kind of like the biggest challenges you've had going from there to where you are now? Well, I've mentioned made and lost millions over the years, many times over. And I think there are a whole set of key lessons that I've learned over that path. The first one is to, when you're starting a business, test or validate, as we call it, as soon as you possibly can. You know, people will say if, if you're making a program or a course, sell it first, mm. then create it. And I never understood that. You know, I was like, no, that's impossible. You got to have it organized. You got to have all the parts and pieces. And I'm a detailed guy. You know, we were when we were doing a, a startup franchise, uh, our sort of big project. We had uh, literally seventy five thousand pages of operations and training manuals before we sold first franchise. Wow. And so for me. That was one of the toughest lessons to learn. Yep. And now I get it. Now I totally understand it. So uh, for your listeners out there, if you've heard sell it, then create it, and you feel kind of weird, you may want to pay extra attention to this because it cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars not doing it that way. There are plenty of ways to test your idea on the marketplace before you have to spend all the money. Mm-hmm. Back when I was doing bricks and mortar businesses, it was much, much tougher. You know, we, yep. if you're building a coffee bar, it's pretty tough to test a coffee bar until you build the coffee bar. That's right. You got to make the sign. You got to get the furniture. You can't, otherwise, you don't have a product. The place is the product. It, and that's a huge investment. Yeah. And now, though, for people that are in the information business, especially, you can totally test it in advance. Yep. In fact, you can test it before you even sell it. Uh, we have a process we teach uh, all of our clients. In fact, we teach it in our master classes for free, which is all about getting feedback on your method, or on your offer, and your what you're bringing to the marketplace. Getting feedback before you even offer it for sale. And then you can go out and offer it for sale. And then you go out and develop it. And so that was certainly one of the biggest lessons. The second one I would say, oh, easy. Yeah, yeah. Do business with dolphins, not sharks. <laughs> mm, that's no that's subtle but it's so real it's so real the best disguise for a great per, for a really sinister person is a great person right <laughs> nobody's nobody's walking around with their teeth out right yeah they're gonna, they're gonna look the best disguise is, yeah i love i love that because that's sorry keep going well there's a book that i got this model from it was it was written in 99 1993 it's, you can only get it on amazon now called the strategy of a dolphin and it says there's three types of people. Sharks, you know, kill or be killed. It's all about them. See if you can recognize anyone in that category. Mm-hmm. Dolphins, team player. It's about fun. It's about the pod. But don't mess with us because we'll protect our, our own. And carp. Carp are the bottom fish that are always getting eaten by the sharks. So you call up a buddy and ask how they're doing and they tell you they got eaten by another shark mm-hmm. and you're like didn't you get eaten by a shark last week oh yeah i know i got eaten by another shark and of course they use their own version of that language but it's that right. same idea i added a fourth category and uh see if you can recognize this daryl and i are in this uh, high-end international mastermind run by a great guy out of israel and see if you can recognize this as any of the 192 people in that mastermind daryl the i call it enlightened sharks it's all about them, but in order to get what they want, they have to help you get what you want. Mm, mm. So they're great JV partners. They're great, you know, interview subjects. They're great, you know, people to help promote or promote you. But if you go into business with them, they're a shark. And fundamentally, their job is to eat people. Right. So you do not want to partner with uh, enlightened sharks because they look and act and walk like dolphins, but at heart, it's just all about them. Yeah. Does, that, does that resonate with you? Like yeah. anyone who leads yeah. seminars and shops and global speakers, perhaps? Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
we won't talk about the drop any names, but there's yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. And you know, some people might feel bad about categorizing people, but you have to understand uh, people can change, but it takes a lot of time. I heard Jim Rohn tell this great little tale about the frog and the scorpion. This frog was trying to cross a river, or sorry, scorpion was trying to cross a river. Sees a frog, says, "Hey, frog, let me hop on your back, take me across the river." And the frog says, "No, I'm not that dumb. You're a scorpion. Scorpions kill frogs. I'll let you hop on my back. We'll be swimming across the river, and you'll sting me, and I'll drown." And then the scorpion says, "Mr. Frog, you're not very bright. If I'd sting you, you'll drown, but I'll drown." And the frog thought about it and said, "You know what? Okay." So he lets the scorpion hop on his back, and they're crossing the river, and the scorpion stings him, and the frog can't believe it, and he's going under. He knows he's about to die, but before he goes, he says, why did you do it? Like, I'm going to die, but now you're going to die. And the scorpion goes, because I'm a scorpion. And that's what scorpions do. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And so my advice there is, because I've got a chance to share the stage with most of the big names in the information marketing space, whether it's Tony Robbins or Brandon Bouchard or Jay Abraham or most of the big guys, Jeff Walker, you name it, Lisa Sasevich, and almost all of them behind the scenes when their guard is down are completely, it's all about them. Mm-hmm. But the good ones know they have to help you get what you want. And so they're very committed to getting you what you want and so they can get what they want. Maybe your love or adoration or your money, whatever the case may be. And so I don't begrudge them. I used to judge it. I used to be very judgmental about it. And now I realize, no, that's just the way they're wired, like the scorpion, right? That's the way they're wired. And so be aware of that when you're doing business. And, you know, I've uh, out of those 82 businesses, uh, I was I just got, as we record this, I just got back from probably the most intense live event I've been to in 15 years. Four days of solid content on Mm. helping move people to impact by Wendy Lipton Dibner. She was amazing, absolutely amazing. And it was fascinating to me to see the people that were getting, it's all about impact, it's all about getting real results, and the people that were simply like, yeah, but when are you going to teach me how to sell and talk people into stuff? In a room that was entirely about that, even in that audience, even in that audience, you know, it was a big ballroom full of people. There were people that it was all about them, brother. So, <laughs> so what do you recommend to someone who's starting out and struggling and they're like, okay, we have these different categories of people. I need to sell it and then create it. Or, or like you suggest, I need to get feedback and they're just kind of like, okay, but what, like, what does that mean? How do I do that? Well, the, the, it varies depending on the type of industry that you're trying to get feedback on. So take, give me a specific example, and I'll take you through that model, because I think it would be easier for people listening to follow along. Like, Give me well, an, an industry example. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, it's tough. I kind of want to hear you talk about the run for you at some point, but I'm, I mean, as an industry, software or any sort of service business, even a product business, I mean, I guess the feedback before you offer it for sale would be to make a prototype, put it in people's hands, and you know, and, and have them do it. I know Glenn Livingston, he had this great thing where they would do focus groups, and they would have different prototypes of something, and they would have a focus group come and play with it and everything. And then at the end, before he left, they'd be giving them their checks, and they would be like, hey, oh, you know what? Actually, I just got word from the manager or whoever, and he said you can actually take whatever one you want home with you. And that was the actual purpose for the focus group, was to see which one people wanted to take home. Because they give all sorts of opinions for all the things, right? But which one did they want to take home, right? That was the real secret. Yeah, I like that. What I find is, well, let let, let me quickly take you through our sort of high-level feedback process, because I think it can really help people listening in. In our case, we work with people to create high-ticket, high-margin programs that are scalable, Okay. So the way we do that is we'll set them up. We'll encourage them to have five stages. If we do the run for you, we create the five stages by interviewing them, pulling out their genius. If they're doing it on their own, they just set it up and have five stages. For each stage, you want to have a finish line and a prize. A finish line is the measurable result of that stage, right? People know when they're there. The prize is what's in it for them to get to that stage. In this case, their client their prospective client, right? What's in it for them to get to that stage? So you have a finish line and a prize for each of your stages. And then you have a pricing model, whatever it's going to be. And then what you do is you talk to what we recommend, seven of your ideal target market customers. 
So if you're targeting, you know, startup entrepreneurs or if you're targeting established businesses, if you're targeting you know, doctors, whatever it is, you find seven of them and you go through the process. You start with the problem you want to solve for them, right? What is it that you're going to do? Would you be interested in blah, 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 blah? If they're not interested in that, then they're not your target audience. And this is where a lot of people do market research really stupidly. They'll be in a Facebook group and they'll say, what's, my, what's your favorite logo? And they'll post three logos up there. Or what's your favorite book cover? And they have no idea if the audience in that Facebook group is their audience. Right? You want to get feedback from your ideal target market, not just from random strangers. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's why our JVMM group works so well because we're all building our business looking to have impact around the globe, marketing. And so when we ask for feedback, we're getting feedback from experts in their fields. But even that's dangerous if they're not part of our target audience. Right? That's right. That's right. So you, you do this process. You If they're interested, you then say, okay, well, here's how we do it. First stage, we do blah, blah, blah. And the finish line is this. And the prize is this. Second stage, we then do blah, 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 finish line prize. And you go through the five stages. Don't mention a dime of the investment yet. And at that point, you say, what do you think? You're you're testing for it, right? And the goal is to get five out of seven to say, love it, totally understood, totally makes sense. And by the way, you need I should have said this, really important. You can't sell for real on the call. You have to tell them that. You're getting their feedback. And even if they want it, you cannot sell. You have to book a second call. Mm-hmm. Very important. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're getting biased feedback two different ways. One, they put their skeptic hand up, and you're going to bias that negatively. And second, if they get all excited and they know there's a check involved, they're going to give you different feedback. So you just want to give open, honest feedback. Go through the stages. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Goals five out of seven. Then you say... So, Daryl, what would you pay for that? If we could deliver that outcome, okay? If we could, so I'm just working, as, as we speak now, I'm working on our, our next deal-making summit. It's called the Million Dollar Strategic Alliance Summit. And we're upping our game. I've done this for five years. Now we're going to up our game even more. And not only are we going to guarantee a million dollars in signed deals, but 80% of the fee won't be paid until you actually sell the million dollars worth of deals. That's fantastic. Because I'm frustrated that people come to our event, do a lot of deals, and don't follow through. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was at this impact event. Because I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing another event, having people do a bunch of deals, and only 5 or 10% of the people follow through all the time. Like mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. If you're coming to my event, you're going to get it done. So I'm going to link my pricing to you getting it done so that I'm going to follow up and make sure you get it done. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. So when you that program is – that event is uh, $25,000. 5000 down, 20000 when you do the million in sales. Most people would say that's a great return on investment, right? Right. But that doesn't mean they would pay it. Right. So you, you go through the stages, then you say, what would you pay for that, Daryl? If we, in one week, if we could take you to an exotic location, pay for your rooms and meals, you just get to the airport, everything is taken care of, and you leave with a bunch of high trust relationships and a bunch of deals signed that ultimately lead to a million dollars in new sales, what would you pay for that? And you just ask people, unfiltered, what they would pay. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, people come up with a number lower than you would want to charge, right. especially if it's a high-ticket program. So whatever they come up with, you say, well, okay, that's good. Thank you for that feedback. We actually are going to charge, like say mine, say we're going to charge $25,000, but it'll be 5000 up front and the other twenty once you close a million dollars worth of uh, sales from the deals at the show. Mm-hmm. How does that sound? And now your goal is to get three of those five to say yes, three or more. Mm. So you do seven, you get five in principle and three in specific dollars. And again, you can't collect their money on the call. Even if they want to, you say, no, I promise this wasn't a sales call. I'll follow up later. Uh, when we go live, if you're testing something, you can say, hey, I'm just doing the research now, right? If we go live, I'll definitely follow up, I promise. You'll be one of the first people I talk to. But meanwhile, I'm, you know, I really appreciate your feedback. Doing it that way, you get honest, open feedback from your ideal target market. And I'm telling you, of the 82 businesses I've had, 
this would have saved me tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. yeah. Tens of millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. Just because making sure what a lot of a buyer before you actually go through version. all the hassle. Well, yeah, and what the what do the gurus teach you? Sell a cheap version of your product. You want to do a two thousand dollar course? Start out at two ninety seven or four ninety seven. Well, that doesn't validate your model. That just validates a two ninety seven course. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have joint venture partners and you're going to give them fifty percent, you're never going to make any money selling a three hundred dollar product. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys, but if you think you do. The only people telling you that are the people making money teaching you how to do that. Right. They're actually not making their money that way. That was the other thing, getting to know these heavy hitters behind the scenes, the ones that are doing seven and eight figures, none of them are making their real money off of tripwires. No, no. It's all just building buyers list and affinity and relationships. That's really what it is. It's their lost leaders that are just there. It's there to help pay for the marketing to get a big enough audience of people to sift, sort, and screen and get the whales for the big ticket item. And if you talk to them behind the scenes, not only that, they never made money in the beginning that way. They went straight to high ticket, Mm -hmm. found a way to make that work, and then with the excess money they had, started doing all that other stuff. Jeff Walker is a great example. I was in his Platinum Mastermind. Awesome guy, awesome group. And... Jeff's book, he didn't even write a book until he had uh, over 10 million in sales. Yep. He didn't even write a book. That's right. You know, everyone says, oh, get a book, get a, you know, you know da, 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 build a list, blah, 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 blah. No way. <laughs> I well, mean, you can do that. It's just that you're dumping a lot of money to somebody else. And it's proven, and- if we take two other industries that just came to mind, Tesla, that's exactly what Elon Musk did. He built the super electric car for rich and famous people. And then he found yep. a way to do it. And once he figured out, he then he right started high ticket. And then now he's working his way down to the everyday person. CrossFit is another example. The CrossFit is something where it was originally sold to high net worth individuals. And then they went after big military contracts where they did this for, you know, for the military and fire rescue personnel and big contracts, big money, right? Nationwide stuff. And now it's filtering yep. down to where on their website now they're having like photos of grandpa kind of lifting, you know, like some jugs that look like, like antifreeze, like blue antifreeze, you know, and <laughs> like little home workout with grandpa, you know, he's just trying to keep his, you know, his thing working and able to get out of the chair. And it's like, that's, but that's how it started. It started yeah. high net worth. He was in uh, Northern Cal, some billionaire clients that he had, and it just filtered down. And like I said, military. And so I think it's a fantastic example. If you, you know, go sell it to the people that have money, you know, they'll pay because they'll know it's maybe new and it's going to be custom and boutique. And when you do something enough, a pattern er- uh, emerges. And once you have a pattern, you can optimize things and refine it and perfect it. And then you have like economies of scale and all these types of things that come into play. Well, and that's actually one of the, uh, it's a really good parallel. Both those are awesome. Uh, Tesla's a, a great example, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was very expensive to buy those first Teslas. And, you know, they just announced their newest supercar. They're going to bring it back and make it even better. And, you know, zero to 100 miles an hour in 0.1 seconds or some crazy thing. I mean, it's, you know, it's a rocket ship on the ground, right? Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. But that's what they did. It was a very specific strategy. And we can all model that. The other thing I found, and this would probably be the third big insight. You asked, you know, what are the key lessons learned? Guarantee results. Guarantee results. Uh, my mentor, Jay Abraham, calls it risk reversal, where you take the risk off of your shoulders and, or sorry, off the prospect's shoulders and put it on your shoulders. And when I say that to entrepreneurs, a lot of them get really, really nervous. Well, like, what happens if, what happens if, what happens if? First off, if you don't believe you're going to get results for people, you shouldn't be selling it. Mm-hmm. Period. I mean, you shouldn't sell it if you think you can't get results. Don't sell it. Absolutely yep. don't sell it. If you think you can get results, then build redundancy in so that you've got you know the ability to impart skills, accountability, and mentorship. If you're coaching people, not just information, right? Add in layers. Add in layers. What do people need? It's not just knowledge, right? People don't need knowledge. Knowledge, they go into Dr. I call it Dr. Google. They go to Dr. Google and get a billion pages on pretty much any topic in the world now. Knowledge doesn't help anyone on its own, right? Knowledge along with the timing of which knowledge when or what what we call perspective, okay, now we're getting somewhere. 
But even perspective is useless if you're not a person who follows through. <laughs> yep. Right? Yep. You're a really wise, broke person. Okay, great. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That doesn't do any good. That does not do any good. So if you want to create a real business, not a hobby, not a job with economic risk, but a real business, find a way to guarantee results. Now, here's the juicy part. The data is nine times as many people will raise their hand to learn about what you're doing with a good guarantee versus not. Mm. And one out of those nine will rip you off because great guarantees are up to the client, <laughs> not up to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So nine minus one is eight, right? Nine minus one is eight. Eight times as much business, potential business. It's up to you to convert it. But eight times as much potential business comes from having an amazing guarantee built into your offers. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm fundamentally lazy. If I can, can do one strategy and get eight times the return and another right. strategy get one times the return, I'm going for the eight. You're going for the eight, yep. You have to have the stomach to understand. And this is an important thing. I mean, it's it's traffic times conversions, which equal testimonials and refund requests. And just, you know, try to not get super emotional and attached to it because that's, I think, a big issue. If someone gets a refund or something doesn't work out, it becomes a personal, right? It becomes a personal vendetta somehow or some instances. It's it's not the work. It's not that. It's about the owner. And so you just have to make sure you stay objective and understand the business that you're in. And I love you say you build in redundancy. Like, can you expand on that part a little bit? How do you protect oh, yeah. yourself this from the is... one person that's going to rip you off? This is so crucial for those of you wanting to build a real enterprise, not just a hobby. Redundancy can come in several ways. The first is have multiple revenue streams. Right? Most people, when they're building a business, have one revenue stream. I'm going to do X, and off they go. I'm going to coach people. I'm going to train people in CrossFit. I'm going to do whatever, right? So, so the first thing to think about is have three different ways you're going to make money, three different strategies. That's the first type of redundancy. And for beginners, I wouldn't touch this one. For brand new beginners, I wouldn't touch this one. But anyone that's up and running and is already making money, if you don't start thinking three different revenue streams very early on, you're just wasting a lot of energy and you're increasing your risk pretty dramatically. The next thing to think about is for each of those revenue streams, have three different conversion strategies, right? You're a lead generation, lead conversion guru, right, Daryl? Having multiple strategies to convert allows all kinds of things. First off, always one works better than the other two, right? That's Statistically. Right. That's right. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's just a little bit better. Maybe it's way better, yep. but... There's always one that works better than the other two. And so you can then look at that. And if it's dramatic, optimize that one and drop the others. Yep. And yep. you get way faster results doing that way. And then the third, and this is what anyone that's new should start with, is you've got a product. You've got a conversion strategy. Now have three separate ways to drive traffic mm. to that conversion strategy. You know, Facebook is a great way if you know what you're doing or can hire someone who does, yep. but it's only one way, right? There's a whole world of generating leads out there, and I see this all the time where businesses set their entire model up on one approach, and then something happens, mm -hmm. right? The market shifts, or the algorithm is rewritten, or whatever, and, you know, if you're selling low-ticket items, Facebook ads today don't pay. Mm -hmm. They used to for low ticket, but today yep. they don't. You're looking 20 to 30 bucks a converted lead if you're really good at what you do and, you know, uh, or not a converted lead, a lead. And then you got to put your conversion on top of that. So it's if it was 20 bucks a converted lead, we'd all be doing just Facebook. No, you wouldn't. You would do three Facebook strategies. So even within Facebook, you can have redundancy, right? I mean, there are there are people who just use video their conversion strategy in Facebook. There are people that use content. There are people that use groups. There are people that use free posts being shared and creating something viral. And there are people that use paid ad strategies. You can have redundancy in each layer, but my experience is if you have three, then you are thinking of this as a strategy rather than just responding to the flavor of the day. Hmm. And 
And now, extra for experts, because I know you've got some heavy hitters that listen to your your podcast all the time, Daryl. We talked in advance. Extra for experts, you have redundancy at all three levels, like I just described. You have three different lead gen strategies for each of your revenue streams. You have three different conversion strategies for those three lead gens. So there's a factor of nine, three times three. And then you have three different revenue streams, ultimately, which is 27 separate paths. And, and when I say extra for experts, as you're scaling your business, having someone manage five funnels isn't much more work than managing one busy funnel. That's right. Right? So it's not like you're going to 27-fold your costs. No, In fact, no, no. opposite will happen. You'll get economies of scale to where you're going to be generating so much leverage because you're optimizing simply each of those steps. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense because when I had a martial arts school early in the day of my business career, I did 11 hooks across five target client profiles. So that was 55 different ads. And my number one uh, offer performed 1,100% better than my number two offer, which performed about, I think it was either six or 300% better than my number three offer. And the only ones that were profitable were the top two. And so out of those wow. 55, if I hadn't, and when I work with a client now, I typically tell them it could take anywhere from one to eight funnels before we find, eight, one to eight conversion strategies till we figure out the one that's going to work. Because it's exactly that. You can't predict the wants, needs, and desires of all the people out there, right? It's yeah. You're inside the box looking out, and it can be tough to see if they're, you know, what's on your face. So you really just have to put a bunch of stuff out there and see what works. And I think people really underestimate that, you know, and that's for that business. I, you know, I figured out a way to print money. I mean, it works, it worked like gangbusters, whether it was an ad or done in person, you know, it was just, do you like MMA? Yes. No. Yes. Oh, would you be interested in a free fighter fitness and skill assessment? Yes. No. Yes. Oh, perfect. It comes with it. Did you know if you could uh, qualify for a free 30 day trial? Are you interested? Yes. Awesome. You know, and it was like, boom, it was like printing money. If we had kids with, uh, and it was started doing, Free fighter fitness and skill assessment with a 30-day potential 30-day free trial uh, to university males. It was like printing money. If I went down to the university campus with a clipboard or my ads, like the ads did pretty consistently like clockwork. But going down there with a clipboard and doing the same thing in person, I would get more leads, like 70 to 150 leads in a couple hours. And I'm like, I'm full. Love like I can't, I can't chase these down, right? Like, and that's where I got into. Like, how do I manage leads, right? What kind of software can I use? How do I do this at scale? Conversion strategies, managing a database, you know, and and, uh, and how, to, how to use automation. And that's where I developed all those skills because of exactly that. You can't just, one is the worst number in business, right? It's the worst number in business. One totally. Key, As in, and it's even worse if it works. Yes, because then you depend on it. And then yeah, you, and you don't know what the, what about it is working, right? You're right. like, I'm a genius, I'm a genius. Uh oh. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And that's and you know, for everyone listening in, the next big piece I would throw in because it relates to what you just said, is when you outsource, outsource to the best and brightest, yes. not the cheapest. Yes, which is a not painful lesson painful lesson I've had to learn. We all learn that one the hard way. Every one of us, there's not an entrepreneur out there who doesn't learn that lesson the hard way, sadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I've never met one. If you are one, uh, email Daryl and I'd love to meet you. <laughs> it's so rare that we do this. And, you know, There's a guy in our, uh, our international mastermind who's a Facebook uh, marketing guru and his retainer, he's not very active in the group, so you may not have met him yet, Daryl. His retainer is 30 grand a month. Yep. So, one of my long-term goals is to have a business big enough to justify 30 grand a month as a retainer because the one thing I know is if that's your retainer, you're kicking butt. That's right. Right? You're kicking butt. There's no way you would keep a client paying 30 grand a month plus ad cost unless the guy was crushing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crushing it. And I, I, I heard about him because one of his clients I met at an event. It was a high-end ret- mastermind retreat. And that client was getting a quarter million a month of new business generated from this from this project. That's awesome. Yeah. So when you outsource to best and brightest, you shorten the learning curve. You shorten the cycle to profitability. Now, how do you tell whether they're the best and brightest? Well, would, will they guarantee results? And it doesn't mean do the work and refund all the money because sometimes that's not the best guarantee. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's simply payments linked to results or they take a percentage 
of the success. Yep. You know, I hear people all the time saying, oh, that's ridiculous. Why would I pay you a percentage of that? I said, well, but if it, if it works, you're paying with house money. That's right. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Now, we talked about this last time, and I'm really anxious to kind of ask you about this now. Because when you say you're playing with house money, that's true. But people still, whatever that is, I mean, I've, I'll be fully transparent. You brought it up as well. Like, I've had issues where, you know, I pay people. People pay me out of their house money. But when they those checks start getting too big, they start looking at what they're spending, not what they're making. And they look for ways to cut you out of the deal. And it might be gravy for a couple of years, one year, three years, maybe even a client that's five years. But as, sooner or later, right, they feel like they're overpaying. So do you want the good news or the bad news or both? Well, of course, both. I'm a realist, so. (laughs) So the bad news is, and this comes right from Jay Abraham, the king of deals that involved a percentage on the back end. Jay's advice to me was, I had him as a personal coach for three years. He said, Tom, 100% of the clients you do those deals with will screw you. Right. 100%. So plan for it in your business model. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Jay started taking a percentage of gross, not a percentage of net, mm-hmm. because it, it was no confusion. Mm-hmm. And then he would put buyout clauses in his contract that allowed the client to honorably buy him out mm. if he decided it was getting too lucrative for Jay. Because Jay is the type of guy that would make millions on his cut of the deal and would be out earning the CEO of the companies he's working for very quickly on one transaction. And so ego got in the way where they would say, Jay, but you're making more than I make. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah, but I'm bringing in five times that amount of money for you. So it's like, hello. So he, he literally planned to be screwed, pardon my French, and built a business model around it. That's one way to solve it, okay? The second way is what we do. Because I've done these sorts of things for years. I was 22 years old when I first learned the power of an amazing guarantee, and I've been using it ever since in all sorts of forms. And now our Run For You program, our highest level program, where we literally guarantee a seven-figure business for people, we partner. It's a full joint venture, and the authority does their stuff, and we do everything else. But in order to prevent that problem, the money comes to the joint venture, not to the authority. And then we divvy it up. So we use the old maxim of the golden rule, cool. which is not doing to others as you have them doing to you. It's he who has the gold makes the rules. Yeah. <laughs> That's the real golden rule. So we literally, we set it up so the money flows through the joint venture. And that way, everyone's protected, including us. Right. So when you say it means it comes through the joint venture, you mean you create separate bank accounts, all that sort of stuff. Do you have an escrow that it goes into? What do you mean by nope. when it comes through the we, joint venture? We have separate accounts. We collect the money. Right. And then in our model, 30% of the gross income, so gross revenue minus some pre-approved expenses, the gross income, 30% of the gross income goes to them, 30% goes to us, and 40% goes to scale the business and is kept in the uh, account. So they get 30% off the top of the gross income, but we manage the funds, we collect the funds, we manage where it's spent, we hire the outsourcing so we can choose to hire best and brightest and not get pushback. Because when I did these sorts of deals earlier in my career, I would get all sorts of argument, well, you shouldn't use that person, they're expensive. Mm -hmm. From someone that had no knowledge, skill, or experience in that area. (laughs) Yep. Well, you laugh, but it would be hour-long discussions. Yep. Hour-long discussions. I've I've been there. I know it. And I've been the fool, too, at the same time. I've been on both sides of that that little dance there. Yeah. And so when you outsource to best and brightest, you get better, faster results. Does that mean it always works? No. No. It's marketing, it's growth, it's business. There's no 100% success in any area. That's why you build redundancy in. In fact, there's one other juicy part to the redundancy thing, which I learned from Anurag Gupta. Anurag was the personal business coach for Chip Wilson at Lululemon. Hmm. Uh, Any women yoga enthusiasts out there or men who like women in yoga clothes out there, (laughs) 
no Lululemon, right? right? You know what I'm talking about. Of course. I guarantee Daryl does. <laughs> Incredible yoga clothing chain. Um, Chip, uh, Anurag was Chip's personal business coach at Store One. Wow. And grew it to a billion-dollar operation. Wow. And he took the redundancy thing but added one element at the beginning. And I love it so much. We teach it in our seminars. We call it Anuragging Your Goals because it's a tribute to him. You start with your goal, whatever it is. Let's say your goal is to earn an extra quarter million this year. You double that first. So now your goal is to earn a half a million. And then you work on creating three strategies, each capable of getting the half a million. So for you math majors out there, you're now going for 1.5 million. Yep. Your goal was 250,000, but you're playing the game of 1.5 million or six times your original target. That's how you guarantee to hit every goal going forward because if you think back to the last major goal you set, you probably didn't get there. Statistically, most of us don't. But did you get one-sixth of the way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Did you get 18% of the way? Most of us would say, yeah, I got 20%, I got half the way, whatever it was. If you're really committed, you got 75% of the way. So when you'd use this approach and annuarag your goal, you blow through your target. Mm. Right? It's so powerful. It and some powerful. of you listening to this for the first time will have missed this. Pause, rewind, listen to it again, go back, review it. I'm telling you, this was the biggest single business strategy difference maker for me in the last 10 years yeah. was learning to annual your goals. And for me, I have some, I mean, I love this because it's tied to a financial goal for, but another way is also, I, I call it the rule of 10,000. So a lot of people in their business, they're just thinking, cause when you do things at scale, you need different preparation. If you think you're going to open up a bakery, but you only ever have the equipment and tools to really bake one pie at a time, you're dead in the water before you get started. But if you use the rule of 10,000, how would I handle 10,000 leads? How would I handle 10,000 orders? How would I ship 10,000 pies? How would I, right? The rule of 10,000. How would I do this 10,000 times? How would I do that? How would I handle 10,000 refund requests? How would I handle, right, 10,000 entries? How would I handle 10,000? Like, when you think in those scales, now you start answering bigger questions. And it's it's not quite a if you build it, they will come. But if you build it right, you might just end up being better suited than your competitors, right? Because you've got... Totally. And that's actually, when if I think about the lessons learned, that was the last biggest lesson that I learned. And again, I, I learned it the hard way. So, <laughs> you know, smart people learn from their mistakes. Geniuses learn from the mistakes of others. So. Right. <laughs> this one cost me $400,000 in 60 days to learn. And that is only sell things that are scalable. Only sell things that are scalable. And you're you're alluding to that in your framing, right? To do 10,000, it has to be scalable. Mm-hmm. And the definition of scalable, I learned from Frank Bria, who's actually in our JVMM. I don't know if you've talked to Frank, but he's a genius on scale. You should get him on your show and just interview him about scale, creating scale. He's just a genius. But here's his definition of scale. One new customer comes in, no additional work from Daryl. Mm-hmm. Mm, Not little that. additional work, no additional work. Now, that's a tough bar, clearly. Yeah, but, he's, but that's the definition. He said, do you look at a Fortune 500 company? They don't have the CEO doing more work because they picked up a new client. Yep. So we need to think of ourselves as little Fortune 500 companies. Well, I love that because when you look up entrepreneur in the dictionary, it says a person who organizes a business or businesses. What it doesn't say is a person who turns on the light, mops the floor, cleans the toilet, takes the order, <laughs> does the counting, right, delivers the service, deals with customer service complaints, you know, does the marketing, does the advertising, you know, and, and does the R&D. And you're like, it doesn't. A person who organizes a business or businesses, person who organizes yeah. it, organizes it, where the sum is greater than the parts of the whole. You totally. Know? Love it. Love it. I love love it. And my favorite tie into that is a startup is a temporary phase. Mm. 
Right. Not a lifetime position. It's a temporary phase on the way to profit. Well, and that's where people get caught up because it's tough when you're an entrepreneur. You're much. You're often a doer and you're a go-getter, and everybody feels like a beta version of you, and they are a beta version of you. And that's why you need to have planning and processes and checks and balances in place because you need to you need to find ways to duplicate yourself. McDonald's grew to be billion worth billions of dollars teaching teenagers to cook food and not kill people. Like, right? Like, that's just, that's the reality. They they took low-skilled labor and found a way to create a training system and a monitoring and an accountability system that they could take almost anybody and make it work. Or they knew how to hire the people that they could do it with and make it work. And that's just it, like with your business. So, you know, you're not in the business of what you do. You're in the business of getting that done for other people, right? You're not Love in it. the business of, of mopping floors. You're in the business of getting someone to mop floor, right? So... I love Amen, that. brother. Yeah. All right. So I want to be respectful of your time, but I do want to ask a couple other questions. So you got it. Fire away. Well, what are some of the habits that you have you feel you have and that you've seen in the other more successful people? Some of the business habits or even daily habits. Well, first one that comes to mind when you ask that question is from my favorite entrepreneur, Richard Branson. When he's asked what's the key to success for an entrepreneur, his answer is always fail faster. And, and so the habit is, is not only being open to fail, but embracing failure, embracing failure. And I fortunately learned that early on. I worked for Dale Carnegie Training, and it was literally part of the mindset of the not only the, the program, but the people running the franchise to embrace failure. Uh, for entrepreneurs, we get, you know, as an employee, you get punished if you fail. Right. Right? You're not supposed to. You're supposed to do a good job. And so if you've been an employee and you become an entrepreneur, your brain is wired completely wrong to succeed. Mm -hmm. You do everything in your power not to fail. And entrepreneurs, this is why millennials that start out right out of school in their own business can oftentimes crush it right away yep. because they're not wired to prevent failure. The opposite. They're right. told, take risks, take yep. chances, go for it. So that'd be one of the, of the big picture habits that I would say for sure. Um, on a personal level, uh, I learned this the hard way early on, but then I mastered it. And that is to embrace becoming an early riser. As we record this, uh, you know, it's middle of the night over where you are, but it's 4.30 a.m. where I am. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, that wasn't a stretch for me because I'm normally up at 5. Right. So for me, it's like, hey, yeah, no problem. That'll work on my schedule. I guarantee you're not booked then, so let's go, right? Yep. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's happen. The, uh, the most successful entrepreneurs I know, not all of them, the, you know, the times have changed now, but the most successful ones, that most of the most successful ones I know are early risers. They embrace the time when everyone else is just sleeping through it. They mm. get up early. They, they go through their morning routine. They get clear in what they're going to do. You know, when we're done here, I'm off to the gym for my uh, my session in the gym. I'm not as advanced as you are at it, but I'm going That's every right. day. Okay, every day where my body is not giving up on me, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really yeah. powerful. You know, speaking of that and how it ties into fitness, so I'm an entrepreneur and an athlete, and I... I'm a geek in a lot of ways, and it's funny that you say that, the early riser, because there's been lots of studies, and it's not necessarily mandatory. Lots of people make lots of money that aren't early risers, but there is a key component that I think is important to, and still validates why it's important to be an early riser, and that's because they've done all sorts of research, especially for athletes, that uh, recovery, and like if you're, you know, if you're making millions of dollars, right, as a basketball player or whatever, you need to recover fast, right? You need to recover from workouts, you need to recover from games, and they've found, like, sleep is not only a phenomenal thing for recovery, but time of day that you sleep matters a lot. If you and I both go to bed, and you go to bed at 8 p.m., and you wake up, or let's say, what, you go to bed at 9 p.m. and you wake up, I guess, at 5 a.m., and I go to bed at midnight and I wake up at 8 a.m., the hours before midnight you sleep are worth almost double what the hours you sleep after midnight are. Oh, interesting. In terms that of, doesn't in terms me of at all. REM and all that stuff, it all has to do with your circadian rhythm, and it's that, yeah, that this, the hours you sleep before midnight are almost worth double if you had to put a factor to it to the hours you sleep after midnight. So just getting eight hours of sleep a night actually isn't quality sleep. Time I love day, it. Time of day. 
So I love it. I love it. Well, and I, you know, we came from this event, telling you before we started recording, where I, it was the most intense live training event I've been to in years. And you do that along with the social activities afterwards, and your rhythms are gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> right? That's yeah. part of the deal. It just they're gone. And I've just learned to embrace that, but immediately get back into the groove. Yeah. Immediately yeah. get back into the groove. And so I'm not surprised the data backs that up at all, because if you think about it, the more rested we are, the more creative we are. Yeah. The more grounded we are, the more creative we are. And creativity is what allows us to solve big problems. Creativity allows us to do good and make money at the same time. Creativity allows us to bring order from chaos. Yep. Creativity allows us to work on our business and make it scalable. Yep. I mean, all good things come from having more creativity. Yep. And you just, you function, when you're functioning at your best, because I mean, when you, they took, a, they did, a, I forget which university it was, they did a study and they took something like 20 university students and they sleep deprived them for three days, four days, and they became pre-diabetic. <laughs> They were on like four hours sleep, and so it's like their bodies actually stopped functioning properly. But when yeah. they got back on sleep after two, three days, they were they were back to normal. But that's the impact without having sleep. That sleep deprivation is terrible. And there's all sorts of people trying to find hacks. And if I drink a cup of coffee every hour and a half with this much caffeine, then I can manage. Yeah, but you're you don't understand. You're burning the, you know you're burning the candle at both ends. You don't know when the bottom's going to fall out. So yeah. uh, more and more, the data is just saying like it's you know just like gravity is a fact of life. Taking care of yourself is a fact of life that you'll only perform better the better you take care of yourself. And well, and that's the other habit that if I, if I think back to one of the most critical habits that I've developed, it's the ability to take time to ground myself when things are stressful. Now, mm. some people do that through meditation. Uh, and I learned from Tony Robbins, there's passive meditation and active meditation. Passive meditation never worked for me. It works for a lot of people. They love it. That's a lot of reason people use yoga. For me, it never worked. And so I used to beat up on myself like, oh, man, I can't quiet myself. I can't quiet myself. Well, I just learned that I was trying to quiet myself in a way that I wasn't wired. Yeah. Active meditation, going for a walk in nature. I live on a, a small island just outside of Vancouver. Getting out near the ocean, getting on the ocean, mm -hmm. getting out in fresh air. So easily I can ground myself. Mm. And get in touch with who I really am. And especially when, you know, all heck is breaking loose out there. As entrepreneurs, right, our job fundamentally is to bring order from chaos. Mm -hmm. So we thrive in a chaos environment. If you don't, you're not a good entrepreneur. Yep, yep, yep. But as Alex Sharfin would say, if your pressure and noise is too high, yeah, you can't because focus. you're consistent deal flow or you're not getting good sleep or you're eating crappy or you're not drinking enough water or whatever it is, right? You're, then you're not yourself, yeah. right? I think the best example of that, and they should use it for entrepreneur marketing, is that it's a chocolate bar commercial. I'm not sure which one, but it shows people turning into a different person <laughs> until they have their bar or whatever the heck it is. Oh, and then yeah, they become yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those. I think it's Snickers. Right? It's hilarious. But that's what entrepreneurs are. We yeah. turn into these monsters that are absolutely a pain in the butt to deal with, rude, insensitive, uncaring when we're not in our zone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so you know, we need to find how to get in our zone. We need to hire guys like you, Daryl, to get us in our zone because if you don't, you're if the more you're out of your zone, the less effective you are. And conversely, when you're in your zone – and everyone listening and knows this. When you're in your zone, you crush it. Yep. You can get 20, 30, 40 times the progress in a day, right? I mean, I flew back. Uh, it was a six-hour flight, the main leg, coming back home from this event. I got more done on that flight than it would take me to accomplish in a week in my office normally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why? Because I just spent five days immersing myself on impact and how do you get impact in the world? How do you make a difference in the world? And I was like completely recharged with my life's calling and purpose. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And you're in that state, you crush it, guys. Everyone, you, everyone knows that, right? When you're in your zone, you know you crush it. Mm -hmm. So part of the habit, your question was what habits, right? Make time to get in that zone. And when you're out, recognize it. Yep. Yeah. Well, and then that comes to having a morning routine as well, right? Being an early riser means part of having a routine, a bedtime routine and a morning routine, which means that you can get yourself into a state 
where you need to be so you can perform at your best, you know, however, whatever works for you. And so you can start your day on that foot every day. I love that. Tom, is there anything about the run for you model that we didn't cover that we should have covered? Oh yeah. A a bunch of things, but you know what, why don't we just uh, gift one of our masterclasses to your listeners and for anyone that wants to take their wisdom and knowledge and package it and really have more profit and more life at the same time, we recommend you create what we call game changer programs. High ticket, high margin, scalable programs. We teach this entire approach in a three-hour masterclass. Happy to gift it to your uh, listeners and uh, let them watch it. And then they can decide on their own. The, the Run For You program, we simply do the work of creating the program and marketing and selling it. But in the masterclass, we teach how someone can do this on their own too. Got it. Yeah, I love it. So how do how do we get that? They'll, well, I'll get you the link and so you can post it wherever the recording is here and they can do that. And that way it's easy for them to follow because, you know, many people are listening to this as they're working out or, or driving or whatever. I don't want you to pull over and cause an accident. So we'll just put the link in below and then they can just click on the link. Okay. What about the people that don't have anything to write it down? Where do they, where do they go? Uh, I, I don't need credit. Place, it's fine. Yeah, I don't need credit. Yeah, the, the best place is masterclass.entrepreneurempowerment.org masterclass.entrepreneurempowerment.org and we've got a bunch of masterclasses there they're all free but the first one is always this one because it's our most impactful one and uh, we change the headline from time to time so currently it's called how to generate 250,000 a year even if you can't market your way out of a wet paper bag (laughs) right because you got to get people interested to, to listen to it and for some people seven figures is just not believable for them it doesn't match their the world that they live in. Yeah, and and here's the cool part though for those that think that's oh I never get there. If you have a high ticket program, uh, most of our programs are twenty five thousand or a hundred thousand. If you have a twenty five thousand dollar program, million dollars is just forty clients a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not right. forty thousand. It's not four hundred. It's forty clients a year. Yep. Yeah. So for you experts out there, if you're not doing seven figures, and many of you will be, but if you're not doing seven figures with your new product or your new division, right? Look yeah. at your model and create something that's that's a game changer for people. And uh, you know, forty clients, it's there. That, that right. that's not that's why we can guarantee that in our Run for You program because we control the marketing and the mm-hmm. conversion on it, mm-hmm. and you know, we know we can find them forty. Right, so. right, yeah. So if you're curious, go to masterclass.entrepreneurempowerment.org or check for the link on the on the on the page where this is. But if you're on Spotify or iTunes or any of those others, there's no real page we can put it on. So go to masterclass.entrepreneurempowerment.org. Check out the the presentation. It's a three hour presentation that breaks down exactly how to do this, I guess. Yeah, deep dive training. We and for those of you that are using webinars to market. Watch their masterclass, copy the format for you. It is a complete game changer when we switched from webinars to masterclasses about two and a half years ago. You get way more impact, way more results, way more revenue per attendee, way more unsolicited thank you emails from people watching it. And you oh, fundamentally, you have more impact in the world. Um, so if you're not using masterclasses, watch it just for the purpose of seeing what the heck is a good masterclass? How does it work? What's the format? How often does he repeat? How often does he do Q&A? Mm. When is the offer presented? Oh, it's multiple times. Really? How does that work? Like, mm. look at the process of the masterclass, let alone the content, which you know we know will blow you away. Mm, mm, mm. Tom, this is so awesome. This is a great call. I'm definitely going to have to get you back. I want to be respectful of your time, but I also want to get you back because this is our, our th- third conversation, I think, over, overall, and yeah. I just I just love it. It's a breath of fresh air. So Well, I, I, appreciate-, I appreciate your time, Daryl, and I, I love what you're doing in the world, and, and uh, you know, the so many entrepreneurs need help to scale and grow and do what they're doing, and I love the work you're doing, so keep it up, man. Thank you, Tom. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you before we hop off? Ooh, good question. Is there anything I shouldn't in this context? In this context, I would say, well, yeah. Here's a topic for the next time we talk. I believe every entrepreneur should set their business up so it does good and makes money at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I call that strategic philanthropy. Mm. Um, it's an accelerant. It's one of those pieces of leverage that gets better, faster results. Think 
Tom Shoes, right? Or Ben and Jerry's or some of these organizations that get amazing impact and do good in the world all at the same time. That's a There's a process for that. But fundamentally, I believe that's what, as entrepreneurs, we should be doing. And you should always design your businesses so they can do good and make money at the same time. Um, and I challenge entrepreneurs to do that. And anyone listening in, if you want ever want someone to share that method and how to do that, that's the one talk I will do for free anywhere, anytime, anywhere on the planet. Because as entrepreneurs, we have a moral obligation to serve as many people as possible. And when you do good and make money, you accelerate the speed at which you can do good and make money. It's like it's self-fulfilling. It's such a cool model. So we can talk about that next time. I love it. I love it. Tom, thank you so much. I appreciate your wisdom, your knowledge, and your generosity. And I can't wait for our next conversation. Fantastic. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.